0: Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Don't miss out on all the NFL and NCAA action this weekend. Log on to mybookie.ag and use promo code SGP50 to get a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000, three grand, three thousand dollars Promo code SGP50. Play, you win, you get paid. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free picks from the supercomputer and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content. Bidding stats and trends you cannot and will not find anywhere else. As always, follow them on Twitter at Oddshark and check them out online at oddshark.com. And lastly, we are brought to you by Brett Profit. The Sports Gaming Podcast brought to you by Bet Profit. Tired of having no true hedging option? Enter Profit, the only marketplace designed for users to buy and sell previously placed sports bets. Profit lets you sell a percentage of your bet, guaranteeing yourself immediate profit while keeping your original skin in the game on your original bet. Sign up today for early access. Go to betprofit.co today. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. Today is Friday, November 9th. What a, I guess it's weird to say stinker of a game on uh, Thursday night football being as that one score, one team scored for 52 points, but here we are. Um, Thursday night football continues. Um, ho- ride that home team. I believe now eight and two um, against spreading straight up basically throughout the whole year it was very profitable uh, last year as well. So you got me solo this week. Um, Don't worry. We will get you out of here with a consensus best bet. Hope you guys all cashed in on the Chargers uh, plus two and a half pick, uh, whatever was out there. Not exactly a no sweat win, but in the end, all tickets cashed the same. So shout out to Andy of the deep dive with the white whale getting us out of here with another winning ticket. Best bets have been absolutely great this year. I believe really the only two uh, that lost on the year was the George Kittle prop um, that from Eric Rosenthal, which was probably week two or three was pretty much the only time only game of the year that Kittle prop did not come in uh, and prop swap coming on uh, basically that, that, uh, 25 to one or 60 to one ticket, whatever it was, uh, nothing more than a paper, paper we to be able to sell back to them. Um, as we look ahead, so we're going to be, I opened this back up. The response was really good to the first episode uh, that we did a mailbag episode on basically anything and everything Open this up complete. Ask me anything, uh, regarding sports handicapping as a whole, social media, life and living in Las Vegas, uh, or the specific NFL and NCAA week. Uh, and then we'll break down the upcoming NFL week ahead. Uh, as we look back at kind of the week that was as well obviously for kind of the halfway check-in point you can go back and listen to the last episode with Andy for kind of future stuff like that I don't think many things have changed uh, since we did that podcast about a week ago Uh, I guess you know coming out of that Philadelphia was kind of the one that we harped on and maybe a, a last case scenario, uh, with Jacksonville, um, would do like a little bit this week? So a little bit of correlation there, uh, to maybe get back into the hunt of the AFC South. Uh, so let's just get right into these, uh, Twitter questions. I'm going to read the ad and everything like that. Um, and then we'll break into the week that was with, and close with a consensus best bet. I guess not really even consensus will be just me, but first question comes in from front of the podcast, Whale Capper, as always. Uh, At at Whale underscore Capper, what should the Raiders do between now and when they show up in Vegas? I love this question, because I don't think a lot of people have really... I don't want to say that they don't care um, because it's it's obviously one of the best stories in sports, right? Vegas getting a hockey team, talks of an NBA team, WNBA team is here as well. Uh, so Vegas really going to come up when it comes to professional sports. Nevada making it all the way uh, deep into the tournament that they did, basically bringing everyone stacked uh, coming back for the NCAA tournament in season this upcoming year. And we'll break into uh, a little bit of NCAA talk as well as we get into the basketball season. Um, Some Twitter questions came in regarding that. So a couple best bets and stuff like that for the futures market to give out in that. Raiders, when it comes to Vegas, love this question. Here's the deal. Here's what the Raiders have going against them when it comes to the people of Las Vegas. Golden Knights was starting new, right? Half of, you know, really all of the Vegas marketing when it came to the Golden Knights uh, was Vegas born. It was this brand of misfit, misfits, uh, misfit hockey. And it was a group of guys that, I mean, as you guys know, expansion teams traditionally are not supposed to be good at all. Jacksonville was terrible when they came in the NFL. Um, the Ravens when the Browns actually came back from... Moving to Baltimore, and becoming the Ravens, um, terrible, and that's obviously never really stopped. In any sport, uh, expansion teams are very, very hard. Um, if, if you don't know the exact process, basically, teams can protect basically a, a everyone from their bottom, you know, four players, whatever, and you have to give somebody up. So, if every roster, I mean, think of it from the NFL perspective, if every roster, pr- you know, protected. Upwards of, you know, everyone except their their bottom five players, you know, how hard that would be to build a team based on special teams. And whatever the case may be, obviously they got Mark andre Fleury, which, you know, is a top, you know, I'm, getting, I'm not going to pretend to sit here, and know a ton about hockey, but a, a top 10 uh, goalie in the NHL. Um, so the Raiders have that going against them here. Um, they're not going to be quote unquote Vegas born, despite the fact that they are moving here. They have a brand new, that looks absolutely incredible stadium coming here. It's uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. So number one hurdle, they have to kind of win the town over for the the purists, right? They're always going to have that strike that they were the Oakland Raiders. Um, it would have never happened because the Raiders are so storied. Um, believe it or not, there was a time when the Raiders were good if you're kind of new to the sports scrambling world. Uh, they They've been in the league forever. They're, they're never going to change the name, but it, it almost would have been better if they were going to rebrand, change the name, and become Vegas. This, to me, they're still, you know, much like the Chargers, you're always going to look at them as the San Diego Chargers uh, because they didn't change the name. Um, so it, that's a strike against them. But when you look at this from, you know, what can they really do? The stadium is going to be probably one of the best uh, in the National Football League. That's because there's, you know, outside of the T-Mobile Arena, for anyone that doesn't know, that's basically um, your arena for, like, say, UFC events, um, shows, boxing, uh, anything and everything. Obviously, where the Knights play, if they had an NBA team, that's where they would play. This is going to be bigger. Uh, and better. It's Vegas, right? I mean, some of the pictures are absolutely out of this world. So to win this, they have to build that. That's a check and that's a, that's a mark in the right direction. They've completely done that. Um, and so they're going to have to bring other things here to fill that stadium. I mean, I'm talking, there's probably going to be a Super Bowl uh, in Las Vegas. Grand events, you know, WrestleMania is still a worldwide phenomenon, selling out, uh, you know, 140,000 people were at their last WrestleMania. That will definitely probably come to Las Vegas. Uh, in events that, you know, are, are are huge grand magnitude or what's going to be in that stadium when the Raiders aren't here. For anyone that doesn't know logistically, any maybe Vegas locals, it's on the side of the highway. It's basically, for anyone that doesn't know, it's called, um, the 15 runs parallel to the Las Vegas strip on the outside of the strip. So you have basically, it's right across the street from like Aria Bellagio. You have the highway to the left if you're traveling North and then you have the stadium It's going to be right on the 50 yard line of the strip, uh, off to the side next to the highway. Um, so from a fan perspective, They have to, much like the Golden Knights, they have to try to win the town over. And Vegas always had that originality factor that the Raiders will not have. But winning will solve everything. Vegas loved the Knights. They always, they would have and still do. Obviously, they're regressing a bit this year, which I think a lot of people kind of saw coming after the miracle that was last year. Uh, But winning will solve everything. And so when you look at this, Gruden... There's no doubt in my mind Gruden was given the leash to be the face of the franchise when they come to Las Vegas. They want that recognizable uh, name that everyone loves. And make no mistake, I know people love to kind of shit on John Gruden as the coach, but people absolutely loved him and really wanted him to give coaching another shot. Uh, It's just the team that he got obviously isn't his guys. I don't think he wants Derek Carr long term. Um, Obviously, you know, trading away basically everyone that was there before him, Khalil Mack. The draft picks that they have already stockpiled is out of this world. When you talk about Amari Cooper departing and Khalil Mack, that is three first round picks. Absolutely insane. Um, So despite what you think of Gruden, if he can nail those picks, get a face of the franchise quarterback if Derek Carr is not the answer, uh, winning, so in short, winning is really what the Raiders have to do to kind of win over this fan base. They are set up for it. In Two years they can suck again next year, nobody will care in Vegas. Uh, and the thing that Raiders for anyone that doesn't know, this is kind of the unofficial home of the Oakland Raiders. There are so many Vegas fans or so many Raiders fans in Las Vegas for whatever reason. When you go to a sports book, even before the, the announcement was uh, whether it's a proximity to Oakland or whatever the case may be, uh, Raiders fans were always drawn to Las Vegas. They have a strong sports book showing basically anytime uh, you're in there during an NFL Sunday or a Thursday night game, uh, it is a majority of Raiders fans. Um, so in short, they have to win their setup for it. Uh, Gruden just has to not screw up the good thing that he actually has created for himself because he knows the next two years don't matter. It is all about Vegas in 2020, uh, for this team. Next one, Jim Gibbs at Jibby McLitt. trying to get more serious about the industry and becoming a professional sports handicapper, been spending sports for about five years. So have knowledge, but what would you say would be the most important thing for me to learn or to focus on moving forward? Love this question. Very easily, the two things that separate a professional uh, and a recreational better are unit size and discipline. If a recreational better bets four games, they go one and three, uh, but, or I'm sorry, they go, they bet four games, they go two and two, or let's say three and one. They're betting 200, they're betting 100 bucks a game, they're gonna win 100 bucks at two and one. 90 bucks minus the juice, right? If a professional goes two and one betting a thousand dollars, they're gonna win 900 bucks. They're gonna win a thousand if it's a dog or whatever the case may be. Um, so you have to have money to make money in this. A little bit. It's a little bit like the Wall Street stock market world in that regard. Uh, unfortunately, people think you can, you know, kind of turn. 100 bucks into this fast bankroll uh if you do it the right way and you don't you know take yourself into these 5 6 parlays um again they, they do hit um it's scratch dick i make don't make no doubt about it they do hit um but when you do it the right way you par- practice bankroll management unfortunately the harsh truth is you have to have a little bit of money to make money uh when it comes to sports handicapping selectivity uh, i've done this um i've talked about this a ton uh, a professional is very much okay taking the losing day and walking away, not chasing. Chasing is the worst thing in the world. Um, And we think that even professionals are are guilty of it. Uh, There's no doubt about it. You see something, things look better after a loss, even when you think that things look worse, right? You know, you figure you can't keep losing if you're whatever the case may be. You have to be able to walk away. Uh, You have to identify your edges, stick to your game plan. uh, And that's really it. The other thing I would tell you, is relationships are everything. There are too many things out there for you to be able to tackle all on your own. There's too many sports, unless you only want to, quote unquote, be a professional handicapper in the NFL or college football or major league baseball or UFC or the NBA, whatever sport that you choose, uh, you have to have a year round income. um, And that's the reason why professionals can't really zero in on one sport and dedicate their life to it. Um, the information, information is everything in this town and in Las Vegas. Uh, and so you have to be able to build a network of people that you can trade information with, you know, give them your strongest stuff, uh, inside information, notwithstanding is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just purely handicapping. You have to be able to outsource a little bit, uh, and build up those strong relationships. There is nothing stronger than building a network uh, that you really trust. And in this town, it can be a little bit difficult, uh, enter social media, I mean, some of my, of my closest friends and the people that I really, their opinion, I value pretty much above everyone else in this industry uh, are in Vegas. And so you can build that online now um, as, you know, quote unquote, millennial as it sounds. You just have to be able to um, build that network and build that relationships to bounce things off of people, talk talk things through uh, to be able to get that year round income. It, it's really as simple as that. Um, and this one kind of goes uh, hand in hand. Uh, With the next question from Brian Horan, be at B Horan 32. As far as handicapping and playing professionally goes, do you feel that it was necessary for you meaning me to move to Las Vegas? Or do you think you could have done as well from home? So again, as I touched on this, this really goes hand in hand with this. For me, let me, let me preface this by saying in no way do you have to move to Las Vegas to be a professional sports handicapper. The thing about this is, is at the time when I moved here, four years, three years, over three years now, um, it was the only place in the world that it was legal. For anyone that doesn't know, I grew up in Boston. Um, there's, it's very no secret that there's kind of a bookie on every corner in Boston. But sometimes when you there's always—I don't say always—but uh, you know, not getting paid—a story, a, a bookie getting quote unquote pinched—is a very real possibility in that world. Much like you know, for anyone that is out there that bets with a local and doesn't get paid on time, you know what that story is. And so, when you're counting on that to be your only income, that can be crippling, uh, especially if you, you've had a really good week or whatever the case may be. So, to me, I wanted—I did—I couldn't deal with that um, if I was going to do this full time. And so at the time, it was the only place legal. It was the only place where it was treated as a business. It was regulated. There was never going to be a, uh, oh, you know, I can't pay you this or that. It was in cash. It was at the window. Uh, you were in, you were out, and it was a business transaction. And I love that. The other thing that I love about moving to Las Vegas is the I wanted the relationships. Um, during some interviews that I've or been interviewed on, I, I've really said this. I moved to Vegas because it was the kind of the birthplace of gambling, right? The old wise guys. It was the last, what I, Assumed to be kind of the last outlaw town left, where you know, sport was the only place in the world where sports gambling was legal. Uh, It was, you know, it was, you know, for anyone that maybe wants to be an actor, right? LA is the place for you to go, or New York. You know, if you can make it New York, and make it every anywhere. Whatever it is that really, really drives you uh, is your, you know, quote unquote dream. There's usually a town. Associated right with that, right? People work as waiters to, uh, you know, pay for acting school in, in L.A. or Hollywood, and, and this or that, or what they go to New York to do theater, um, singing, what whatever the case may be, right? There's usually a town, or I don't want to say town, but a a state at least uh, that goes and is associated with to get kind of the full experience. And I wanted to really be able to talk to odds makers, talk to fuck ticket writers, just to be able to get anyone's kind of, you know, opinion. I want to kind of build that network from people that have been out here doing it as their sole income. In a world of social media, people can kind of flex, right? Oh, I'm a professional sports handicapper. I'm, I bet 10 grand a game. Well, at the end of the day, you find out that they're a Hertz rent-a-car attendant or an Uber driver. And I didn't, I just, I wanted to be able to figure, you know, find these people that really actually did it, whether it be on the side of betting or the other side of the counter. I've learned probably more from odds makers, risk managers, uh, than I have from people I've met out here that are professional gamblers. Um, I just wanted every side of it. And I didn't think you could replicate that, uh, from, you know, building a network of exclusively people that just bet offshore, uh, and you're doing it, you know, not in Las Vegas. The downside, I did not know DFS was not legal here. You cannot play DFS in the state of Nevada. Um, so as somebody who's a majority of their income was largely tied into DFS as well as handicapping, uh, that was a huge blow for me. Again, probably should have done a little more homework and, and and saw that. And again, there's ways around it. There's VPNs, whatever the case may be. But um, So to answer your question, no, you don't have to move to Las Vegas. For me, I just wanted to be able to immerse myself. You know, it sounds so weird to say, you know, immerse myself in the culture, but that's really, really what I wanted to do uh, to be able to really get the most out of it. Now, I will say, as I've touched on in other episodes of, of Mailbags, real moves from professional groups, syndicates, people, real players. I'm not talking um, you know, five hundred thousand dollars players. I'm talking sharps that you know, when you hear the quote unquote sharps that work in the shadows that bet fifty k a game, these people, those real moves are being done off screen through locals, through credit accounts. And the people I know through those people are not in Las Vegas. Uh, they're in Chicago, New York, the South. they're all over. America. Um, and so you absolutely, it is absolutely not necessary. It's just, to me, it was a lot of wanted a lot like be wanting to become an actor. So moving to Hollywood would give you the best chance to succeed at that. Um, and so I thought that moving to Vegas, uh, would just kind of give me the best chance to succeed at that. Um, having, you know, if I had known now what I know then, which is kind of a catch 22, because you can't really get that experience without at least being here for a while. Um, I one hundred percent, a hundred thousand percent would do it again and move to Vegas. I don't know that it's made me a better gambler for sure, um, or in sports handicapper. I just I don't know that I could have learned everything I did um, on a computer screen on you know betting offshore only uh, through the comfort of my couch and my underwear. I don't know how driven I really would have been if I had safety nets in place. Um, I kind of had to succeed or. Um, move on with my tail between my legs broke. And so that's kind of my story when it comes to moving to Las Vegas. Before we get into the next set of questions, as always, guys, the Inside Vegas podcast is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas podcast. Enter promo code SGP50, 50% deposit bonus up to 3K. Very simple. Play, win, get paid. Next question comes in from Ral at Dr. Hal Psych. Aside from NFL sides, would you say NBA sides is the toughest market to handicap? Seems like you get higher risk of players taking the night off of suffering from road fatigue, bunch of rich, lazy stoners. Know what I mean? Yeah, man, I do. Look, to me, this is going to sound cocky. I don't think the NFL sides are really that hard to handicap. And that's not to say I don't have losing days, weeks. Uh, things happen in the NFL. I'm not sitting here and trying to sell you that the NFL um, sides are easy. I just I think that people kind of overblow it. You know, oh, it's the most efficient market. It's the sharpest lines. Um, not really. Teams win by an average margin of eleven over eleven points uh, per game. And as I've shown time and time again, the spread does not is dying. Right, fifteen percent of games this year, uh, the spread has come into account. And so, I think that. The NFL side is becoming a lot less inefficient. I don't think markets and bookmakers have caught up to the offensive split that the the way the NFL has gone yet at all. Bookmakers are still so afraid to be different to kind of make their own number. I mean, you look at Thursday night football. That was a uh, what was the spread on that? On the I think it was two and a half three on this uh, Pittsburgh game on Thursday. They won by whatever it was thirty points. These spreads are not mattering because there's bookmakers are still looking at this like it's 1995 and three is, you know, oh, the sharps are always going to take three and a half. And you know what? Books are going to make money just in spite of themselves because professionals are still so stuck in their ways uh, and they're always going to gravitate towards that value. Those free points are going to take that three and a half, they're going to take that seven and a half every single time on buyback. And for the life of me, I cannot understand it. Um, I get it. There's a lot of people out there doing this a lot longer than me. And uh, I'm here to tell you that they have not had success the last three to four years. Uh, and yet here they are just banking on regression towards the mean, refusing to acknowledge that the NFL has gone to a completely offensive league um, and still trying to nickel and dime over a two and a half to a three point move. Um, you gotta, you gotta be able to adapt to the NFL. That being said, NBA. Yeah. Look, NBA is very, very largely contrarian based. You can do very well in the NBA, just betting, uh, you know, underdogs on the spread that are receiving 20 percent of tickets uh it's kind of a little known trick but it's very true that is the one league uh, i put the most stock in when it comes to public bet splits uh tickets that stuff for whatever reason you can call it fixed i mean look the nba was fixed uh when tim Donahue was roughing games there's no doubt about it um there's a lot of things within that league that people believe that league is very much fixed towards vegas um and p you can either get mad at it and continue to back favorites and or you can Be on the the side, and at the end of the day, this is what this is all about. But yeah, no, from a a philosophy perspective, NBA probably very very tough uh, if you are a more of a favorite driven player. I would say, I mean, you can kind of completely throw teasers out. I I, for the life of me will never understand why a player will tease uh, NBA totals when it's basically two baskets on a teaser at minus one twenty, but. Uh, Yeah, uh, I really do believe the NBA is probably the hardest um, to tackle. It's just probably the most frustrating, maybe outside of NCAA, and you know what handicappers in the NCAA always go back to. uh, Their safety net and their safety blanket is always blaming every loss on 18-year-olds not making free throws. um, But they're perfectly fine, not really caring when an 18-year-old freshman kicker misses a 30-yard kick. So um, I think that one's a little bit representative of kind of, you know, Handicappers looking for excuses a little bit. Um, and look, any market can be exploited. If I sat here uh, and decided to focus all my attention on the NBA, like I know some people who do and who are very successful at it, uh, it just it's all about the work you're willing to put in. That one probably just takes a little bit of more work because the spreads are, you know, the NBA has largely adapted to what this league is, right? And spreads are showing that. You're having to, you know, totals now being over, you know, just basically since the inception of Steph Curry. A total over 200 was somewhat rare. Now you're seeing routinely 230, 240s. Um, And so bookmakers are adjusting for that finally. Uh, And so they haven't done that in the NFL, but they're doing it in the NBA. And so uh, you just have to try to be a little bit above uh, the market on that one. Favorite, next one. Uh, Brian Seymour, at Brian J. Seymour. Favorite NCAA title future to bet for college basketball? Love this question um let's give this one out if you were a follower of mine uh, last year you saw i got on nevada at 125 to 1 80 to 1 and on down through the line people actually got mad at me cuz i was hedging it very heavily uh not expecting them to make it down through the year obviously still made money um but it was very costly for about a week um having to basically hedge it against myself didn't that ticket was on credit couldn't give it a prop swap it was it was a it was a very costly week uh, you know, capped off for a very handsome payout uh, once Nevada finally did lose. I believe it was either to Loyola or right after Loyola, whatever the case may be. Let's go back to that. Well, Nevada at shop around, I um, believe it's right around 11 to one. Uh, I really, really like that bet and that value. i uh, again, when we talk about value. That's, you know, not necessarily betting on a team to win, um, but having these outlets, cash out buttons, prop swap, Whatever your case may be, to, to not have to cost yourself, you know, short-term money. Uh, Nevada returns everyone. Um, the two twins are there. They have great guard play, outside shooting. Every box that you want to be checked by a team, um, and they're, you know, they're a little bit pub- of a public darling, um, which worries me, um, but they're definitely going to get to the the tournament, and I see them them see their odds definitely shortening, um, which is weird from a team, you know, all the way out from basically over hundred to one. Uh, outside of that this year but let's go right back to that well nevada literally returns pretty much the whole team uh so nevada at we'll call it 11 to one little oozy per eggnog yes or no no eggnog is absolutely disgusting don't cannot say more want to say more bad things about eggnog pick a rick at pickle rick's picks p-i-c-s when we talk about ticket totals does it matter that some tickets might be on a team a at plus two but then the line moves and people take team b at plus two in other words do ticket counts do tickets count no matter what spread they were bet at as i take a drink um in short yes so what this means is well let's talk about the money first right cuz there's 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 basically four different uh types of bets spreads that people pay attention to when it comes to sides totals notwithstanding there's money line percentage money line money spread percentage and spread money the money line percentage and money line money are never going to change just because the number changed uh and so when you look at this ats the it's still against the spread um so it, it in short, it doesn't break it down by, you know, 70% at plus two. uh, And then if it moves to say plus three, it's 40%. It's not like that because it's spread money is spread money, no matter what the spread is, if that makes sense. If the spread moves from two to three, um, the percentage of money on that particular side spread bet, say at plus two, remains the same regardless of the number, because it's just talking about the spread um, percentage and and spread money. Um, But it it, it does raise a good, you know, a valid question uh, is that, Entirely accurate, and that's one thing that people who don't believe in bet splits and, and what companies offer out there, Sports Insights, Don Best, um, believe in because the the market's fluid; it's always changing. Um, those are locked in. Again, the spread percentages are always going to be the same because, regardless if the spread is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, it's talking about the percentage based on the spread tickets, uh, not the number ahead. Uh, and that actually looks like it's pretty much all of them um, that we want to get to before we start breaking into the NFL uh, in NCAA week. Um, oh, no, Dooley. At that dude, Dooley. Thoughts on Auburn, Georgia this week? Love this one. Auburn, obviously, uh, up and down season, right? Um, it's really, I guess the same thing could be said for Georgia. At the end of the day, kind of playing for maybe meaningless football for for Auburn. Georgia shot SEC title game. i are going to play I mean, uh, does anyone think that Georgia actually has a chance to beat Alabama? Uh, I would probably argue. I mean, you're looking at look ahead lines over two touchdowns right now. So when we look at this, I'm going to bring up this spread right now for Georgia and Auburn. 24 Auburn at number five Georgia. Georgia minus 14 total sitting at 52.5. So I wanted to bring up the total. To me, this is. Uh, Auburn shows up in spots where you don't necessarily expect them to. You know, when lines are fishy towards Auburn, you know, they're an unranked team, laying points. Uh, that's when you really want to take Auburn. Georgia has everything to play for. As much as I said, it's meaningless. I'm, I'm talking about their aspects of, of beating Alabama, and I don't know that they may be maybe feel that maybe deep down, they don't think they can beat Alabama, but they're never going to admit that. They're never really going to show that. Um, I would lay it here with Georgia at, at minus 14. I really, do. I think that Auburn's been, you know, they had some great scheduling quirks, you know, getting teams off of a buy, that type of stuff. Um, A&M off the buy, uh, the 20th to the third. So they've won two straight. They lost two straight. They've really been in this kind of, you know, up and down market five and f- at, uh, I'm sorry, six and three here. So to me, I would lay it with Georgia. As we before we get into this upcoming week for the NFL and NCAA, we are brought to you by Odd Shark. Get tips and picks from their supercomputer, as well as data driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Supercomputer and the expert stuff that the written stuff that Odd Shark does, I really, really feels second is second to none out there, whether it comes from MLB, the way that they track things. If you want to take a long-term outlook of a market, uh, there is no better tool out there um, than some of the tracking stuff that Shark has, whether it be you want to look back at uh, Teams, ATS, uh, whatever the case may be. Cannot say enough good things about Oddshark. Uh, follow on Twitter at oddshark and oddshark.com. We are also brought to you by Profit, the Sports Game In podcast. Couldn't be happier to bring on the new sponsor of the show, Bet Profit. Are you tired of having no true hedging option like me with Nevada last year? Enter Profit, the only marketplace designated for users to buy and sell previously placed sports bets. Profit lets you sell a percentage of your bet, guaranteeing immediate profit while keeping skin in the game on your original bet. Sign up today for early access at betprofit.co. That's B E T P R O P H E T.co. All right, we're gonna finish up with the last mailbag question before we break into this week's football action. Next question comes in or last question comes in from Steve Jones at Steve Jones eight fifty. Uh, a question for the podcast that I would like is about managing bankroll. Do you use the one to two percent strategy and do you adjust at all for any reasons? Um, so basically, I've kind of talked about this from uh, in the past. um, the word unit is very, very misused in this industry. One to two percent, you know, one unit should be one percent of your bankroll. Two units is two percent. Um, this gets tricky when you uh don't have a big quote unquote bankroll. Um there there's no doubt about it. If you only have, you know, a thousand dollars um is risking ten dollars a game, uh the you know, how appealing does that sound, right? You're probably going to at least wager i'd say, you know, twenty-five to fifty bucks a game. Uh and so you're betting a substantial amount of quote unquote units. You, when you're, when you're just starting out, um, or you don't have a ton of money to work with, there's, you you have to be able to kind of, you know, overextend yourself. This is, you know, the, the tricky thing that people do is they think that uh, I'm kind of strapped. I, I only have, you know, a thousand bucks. So I have to put in these three, four teams, team parlays to you know risk a little to win a lot. Um, it's just, it's very hard to win money long-term doing that. And I completely understand that you're not going to be employing that long-term. It's just to kind of get you there. Um, So in that regard, uh, if you're looking to, you know, a get rich quick thing, sports gambling probably isn't for you. It it is very possible to um, hit one of those. It's just, um, you're playing the lottery with that thousand dollars. If you do it that way, you have to be able to throw units to the side a little bit when you are being, you know, strapped. And I know it sounds kind of opposite. You know, you, you should You you should stick to uh, your unit scale when you have less money. Uh, Yes and no. I mean, again, you have to, when you speak about this truly, in theory, you have to be able to risk five to 10 units per play um, when you're that strapped to be able to make some money. Uh, And so it's a very difficult proposition. Look, I don't buy, units are tracking. Make no mistake about it. They're used as to be able to quantify, you know, ROI is a very real, you know, good thing. That's kind of what I track myself on. Um, Units are a Twitter um, tracking device. There's no other way to put it. Um. When you do this, you know there's levels to this. And so, when you have your own money and then you have a bankroll, um, those two things can be very separate. And so, you're you're able to kind of play around with one when you're allowing yourself money to, you know, "quote unquote" lose. To me, it's different. When you do this full time, if I pay my mortgage, am I losing ten units? If I pay my car, am I losing four, four units? You know, so it's a little bit differently. Um, yes, I have. You know, do I have a, a "quote unquote" bankroll? I, I only use for um, gambling at this point. At this point in my life, I don't. It, it kind of all goes together. I have specific, you know, things set aside and that type of stuff. Um, but largely, I just uh, units are tracking. They should never really be used for anything else. And again, make no I'm not saying you shouldn't have a specific bankroll when you're doing this recreationally. When you're doing this for fun, you need to have a bankroll. You need to stick with it. Give yourself whatever you want. You know, a week, a day, a month um, that you're going to be okay with. Because when you overextend yourself and you start taking money. Uh, or food off your table, Uh, those types of things are very serious. Uh, When you're just trying to have fun and get action down, it can turn into something, you know, uh, not good, (laughs) to say the least. So um, it's really difficult to answer that one to, you know, the best of my abilities. It's just everyone's in a different place. And I know it's hard to maintain that discipline. Um, You just have to be able to kind of, you know, go over that. Again, I have things I've bet, you know, I've bet 50 to hundred dollars on things on um, when I want to have fun and kind of degenerate out and much larger sums for my actual bets. I, I don't, you know, um, I don't stick to my, you know, one to 2% of my bankroll. I, I just, I feel like you can quantify things a little bit differently based on your edge. Um, it's just, it's different strokes for different folks. Um, the book answer is you should always have your bankroll separate and you should risk one to 5% on it per play, uh, and stick to that. And that's only, um, different schools of thought for different people. You have to do what works for you is the biggest thing I can tell you. All right, now that that is out of the way, let's move on over to this week's NFL. Again, last week, Consensus Best Bet coming in with Andy with the Chargers. Man, Chargers tried to give away another one. As we run down this, Oakland, San Francisco... Look, man, hand up. I bet on Oakland there. Talk about CLV getting the best of the number. Oakland plus three, plus 140, the money line. Uh, it doesn't matter. Again, last week, spread coming into play a grand total of zero times. Um, 15% of, on the year. So 1.5% of games each and every week. Uh, the spread is going to burn you. Uh, so just one more thing to keep in mind. Uh, Pittsburgh, well, I guess Pittsburgh played this week. So this, uh, two weeks ago doesn't really matter. Chicago and Buffalo. I wrote this up on what we learned. You have to fade Peterman. You have to get a some way, whether it's whether it be a defensive touchdown over one and a half picks. Looks like they they've kind of given up on Peterman. Um, it will be Derek Anderson if if Josh Allen uh, can't go this week. So the Peterman while well, era while well profitable fading him uh, looks to be over. Carolina looked great, looks great at home. They, they kind of remind me of Pittsburgh a little bit, as we just saw. Home Carolina, very, very good. Road Carolina, exploitable. Kansas City and Cleveland professionals still continuing to back Cleveland um, on a plus eight and a half line. Uh, Wouldn't buy double that at 16. Uh, I, I don't know how you can go to the window with that line against Kansas City, but that's just me. I don't care if 95% of the tickets were on them, which they absolutely were. Jets in Miami. Miami 13-6 over Jets. Not much to say there. Detroit, Minnesota. Stafford trend comes into play. 6-67 six and 67 against teams that finish the year over 500 there. Uh, only way to back Stafford is un- when he's playing bad teams. Uh, I think it's going to get a little bit worse for Lions and Lions fans uh, before it gets better there. Atlanta, much needed win. Washington regressing um, was on Atlanta here, great spot. Atlanta battling back to four and four. Washington back down to mediocrity at five and three. I think a lot of people saw that one coming. A lot of people were on Denver in this spot, losing uh, right to Houston nineteen seventeen. Houston, smoke and mirrors, continues to get it done. Cannot wait to fade this team in the playoffs. Uh, not much to say there. Chargers, Seattle, we broke down last week as to why we were on that one. Rams in New Orleans. Rams taking their first L of the year. New Orleans, 7-1. and one, Huge for them when it comes to seeding in the NFC to get that win. Um, game script-wise, this one you really saw just being an absolute track meet. First one to 41. That was the Saints. Uh, Goat versus Goat here. New England 31, Green Bay 17. Never really in doubt. New England played a great game, and Josh Gordon has made absolutely all the difference here. Tennessee and Dallas 28, Dallas 14. Look, you know how bad I think Dallas is. I think Tennessee is just as bad. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit, but I I really have no takeaways from two teams that are, you know, eight and eight ceilings, seven and nine. Uh, Two teams that aren't going to matter come playoff times. As we get into this next week, obviously Thursday night football, Pittsburgh 52 21. Again, touched on this time and time again. Road and Uh, home, Pittsburgh, and road and home, Ben, are two different things. Really looking back at this, this kind of should have been obvious. Again, touching this, eight and two home teams this year, ATS straight up on Thursday night football. Perfect storm here. you got the best of Pittsburgh, home, Ben, uh, and the worst of Carolina, road, Carolina, road, Cam. So looking back, probably should have have been a a bet from this side. But as we come into this week, look, Detroit, Chicago, Stafford coming off – I think Chicago, believe it or not, with Mitch Trubisky going to finish the year over 500, only way you can look here is to lay the points of Chicago at minus six and a half. New Orleans and Cincinnati, a lot of sharp people on Cincinnati plus five and a half. I, I will say that professional money there is very strong looking to fade New Orleans off a very obvious flat spot. I think that one, um, ugh, God, it's a tough one because at the end of the day, I'm always going to tell you that the spread is, is dying. It doesn't matter. This is just an obvious flat spot, but the number may account for it. Uh, probably, you know, I'm sure Ryan's going to come out and say, why isn't this seven? Uh, that's why I'm taking Cincinnati, but that one's a, that's a hard game. Atlanta all the way out to six against Cleveland. Again, professionals on Cleveland Browns this week already have seen it. Over under 50 and a half. Makes no sense to me. This is teaser heaven. Game was available at three at open. Absolutely insane that Cleveland's still getting respect by odds makers more than professionals and anything. Jacksonville, Indianapolis. Indianapolis, a three-point favorite. Total sitting at a forty six and a half. Oh, God, this Jacksonville team. For anyone that knows me, knows, you know, and as follows the written up or the write-ups I've been doing for SGP, uh, the What We Learn series, Jacksonville has been the bane of my existence. I've been on them a ton, much like the Ravens, uh, and they just, their defense cannot figure it out. This is their season. This is do or die. This is the best effort you're going to get out of Jacksonville uh, this year at three and five. One of these two teams is going to go to four and five. The other three and six is going to effectively end their season, I would venture to say. And uh, God, tough game. I, I, I think Jacksonville gets it done here arizona kansas city this isn't a who will win this is a by how much kansas city at minus 16 and a half largest spread i believe of the season here this is what i thought the cleveland spread should have been honestly and a fell around that number of 16 if you want to get into the 16 and a half point favorites i think there's other ways to attack this game namely maybe a team total over on kansas city that should be able to put up a ton of points buffalo and the jets who's starting for buffalo da uh or josh allen 36 and a half. I don't know if the Jets can score enough to cover seven. Um, I'm staying away from that. Absolute dumpster fire trash game. Washington, Tampa Bay, another game, two struggling teams. I, you know, it's weird to say Washington is struggling. I think that Washington is largely smoking and mirrors and just a product of who they played at five and three Tampa at three and five. Alex Smith wins. Ryan Fitzpatrick looking for Fitzmagic. I I really don't have much on this game. I'm never going to make something up to sound smart to tell you that I I favor one side or another here. I think there's some prop pieces, maybe go over on on a Fitzmagic uh, in some way here. Uh, And again, Tampa Bay dead last against covering the tight end, but Jordan Reed has been awful. New England has six and a half point favorites uh, against Tennessee. Mike Vrabel coming to town. Bill Belichick looks to win. humiliate another assistant coming in look this one is on the road a uh, little bit of, a, of an issue obviously you saw what new England you know struggled to do against Detroit and Matt Patricia I don't know that variable has the you know level of intricacy that Patricia does when it comes to the ins and outs of New England um, just by playing there and kind of having some experience there but uh, look you don't make money betting until Belichick and Tom Brady this is this is a great teaser number as well Chargers in Oakland, I don't know how you can back Oakland after what you just saw. They are at home. Uh, I don't think you can kind of lay down the way you did you know, uh, on the road. Um, people aren't really going to care. Obviously, they're going to be very happy for you to do that uh, in someone else's backyard. But Oakland being at home makes me think they have some fight. These matchups are usually a little bit tighter, something of a throw at the record game. Although last year, uh, Chargers did win 26-10, uh, to 10, basically 13 months ago, October 7th, 2008. So um, you can't back Oakland here. Phillip Rivers has a huge day. Miami Green Bay poof brock osweiler looks like again um aaron Rodgers needs this game at three four and one again more of a how much does green bay win not really a who wins here gonna stick with spread not mattering green bay and laying at seattle rams this is a throw out the spread game rams at 10 point favorites uh look seattle russell wilson has lost two games in his career by more than 10 points out of every they're used to, these were both recent too There used to be you could blindly tease Russell Wilson up if he was ever an underdog, and it was an automatic teaser leg. I don't know if you can do it here at 16. Look, the Rams uh, off a loss is a very scary proposition. The number is kind of accounted for at Seattle on the road. This one could get ugly if Seattle's defense isn't uh, available to – or isn't ready to step up here. And finally, Dallas and Philadelphia – Probably one of my favorite bets uh, lately has been kind of backing Philadelphia in the futures market in a couple different ways. Dallas is absolute garbage. Uh, This is a largely throw-out-the-records type of game, though. Uh, And so seven points in a divisional game, no doubt professionals are going to be on a cheap hook at 7.5 minus 120 to me. Seems too easy, but I'm going to t- probably be ending up teasing Philadelphia down in something of a long teaser. So looks to be um, pretty much the quick shots of the week. Giants at San Francisco, really not going to touch on other than Nick Mullins is laying three and a half points to to Ryan Kramer's uh, Giants there. I, that's a little bit of a slap in the face. Uh, I, I think people get it really enamored when there's no tape on a guy like Mullins. Again, we saw this with Watson. We've seen this time and time again quarter again i broke my own rule last week betting on not betting against the unknowns this is what happens sometimes sometimes you get out ahead of a market you can get you know peterman in his first start at minus three minus seven sometimes uh you get a nick mullins um i would think the giants kind of disrespectful I, I like that plus number i don't think san francisco wins two in a row with nick mullins i think he gets a taste of, of somewhat of the real nfl i know it's the one and seven giants but if eli and beckham and barkley can't beat the two and seven nick mullins led san francisco 49ers uh, God, they may not, but to me, that's that's where I would lean kind of on the week. Best bet, let's go to, where do we want to go? To close out the show with the best bet, let's go, God. This is it for me. I promise you, if this one doesn't come in, we're going to go right back to the wall with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three and a little bit on that money line. This is their season. I think this defense gets it done and I just think that they're a better roster top to bottom uh, than Indianapolis. Jacksonville is a great situation here. I know they're on the road, uh, but that defense has got to be able to figure it out coming off of I mean when you look back at what they've done it's uh, they get Leonard Fournette back this week which is huge they're coming off a buy to kind of get these things figured out Fournette practicing in full since the buy week uh, ended so obviously they were holding him out through the buy makes a ton of sense here uh, so the only way for me to look uh, is Jacksonville so let's go Jacksonville plus three and a little bit on the money line too of course banking on that spread not mattering and getting a nice little outright underdog Winner for you guys. Uh, that'll do it for this show. Obviously, we'll tune in next week. We'll have the back to the, the normal format of a, another guy on. which just um, had a scheduling conflict with uh, who that guest would be. Probably come in uh, next week. And again, as always, guys, please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. If you have absolutely any questions, um, please feel free to DM me on Twitter at Christian Pina. Um, again, if you need anything at all, please reach out. Thank you guys so much for uh, tweeting at me for the mailbag episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope I got to your questions. Uh, If you guys ever need anything, please reach out. Um, The show's for you guys. Uh, So if you ever, anything at all, promise. Talk soon. If you want to grab a snack, grab a farm-rich snack. Hmm, something about that song just makes me hungry. Well, any requests? Oh, how about some mozzarella sticks instead? Folks, it's time for me to grab a snack. Feel free to do the same. You can find Farm Rich in the freezer aisle or online. This next one goes out to all the cheese lovers out there.